Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. So today we are talking to Richard Turner, who's been around online for a long time, got tons and tons of experience. He's a man who buys and sells businesses. And today we're going to talk about buying businesses as a way to grow your business, which is quite under discussed, I think, and a very exciting opportunity. So Richard, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. And where are you coming to us from? Dark and miserable Harrow, northwest London. <laughs> well, I'm in, in Hampstead in northwest London, so it's, yeah, it's, the weather's pretty similar here. So amazingly, by the magic of the interwebs, we're actually communicating with somebody who's quite close. Often it's somebody on the other side of the pond. So interesting to get a British perspective on things. So tell us a bit about your background. You've been in e-commerce for a long, long time. So give us a bit of a, a flavour for who you are and what you've been doing. I'm probably... A super early adopter. I, I, I worked in retail for my sins from when I was 16 to 21 and then got made redundant. And I came up with an idea that supposedly was going to save them £20 million a year. And for my sins, they made redundant six months later. And I thought, hmm, maybe this isn't the journey I want to continue. So I teamed up with a business partner of mine and we started online classified site. Pretty much the a bit like Craigslist or Spot, where it's free to advertise, but you could pay to upgrade and be at the top of the listings, which all sounds wonderful. But this is 93, if you can remember that far back when uh, computers the size of uh, dining room tables and the internet was very slow and pages of text took about 10 minutes to load and you needed to have a, a coffee or tea in between. And we went to the bank and said, oh, you know, we'd like to take payments online. And they just looked at us and said, don't be silly. It's all a scan, that online stuff. It's never going to take off. So that was a, that was my first setback. But fortunately, we found a new startup at the time called World Pay. I'm sure some of your listeners are now laughing and thinking, oh, <laughs> World Pay. But yes, they were a relative new startup. And thankfully, although it was very costly at the time, they allowed us to take payments and you know we could have those upgrades. So that was the first online business in 93. And then sold that business and started bootstrapped with the seven businesses online, which ranged from shopping, some internet support businesses online, a web design company. Again, very, at the, very, very much at the very start of the journey when web design for our designer was uh, coding in HTML and was, you know, two to three thousand pounds was what we were having to charge for a website. So, just just for basic text website. So I guess that's my journey. So I, I started to say very, very early on in this, you know, through a number of vehicles. So that's how I started an e-com. And basically about 10 years ago, decided, okay, this has been a great journey, but quite stressful bootstrapping businesses from start to exit. And I went off and consulted businesses that wanted business growth. 
So, because I, I, I could see that lots of businesses were struggling and they were reaching a, a glass ceiling, a plateau, and they weren't sure how to move forward. It usually result about not enough the right personnel, they thought, or not enough cash flow. The, the two, two obvious ones, actually, I think still are, are very relevant today. So I went off and helped people, wrote a couple of Amazon best-selling books. And then about four years ago, a friend of mine approached me. He was an investment banker. He'd come out of investment banking and started to acquire business and said, why don't you team up with me, inject your skill sets, and we can acquire businesses. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the last four years. And yeah, so I remember you got in touch. I, I can't remember how we got in touch. It was probably through the magic of LinkedIn, isn't it? And, and these things get vague after a while. And uh, I remember thinking, so you just acquire businesses. I was almost like, this sounds too straightforward. He must be, you know, must have an angle here or something. But no, it's what you're doing. And it makes sense. It's just not a common thing because most people are business brokers. And then there's recently, I suppose, the famous aggregators on a gigantic scale, Thrasio or whatever, who've got to a billion dollar valuation, which is kind of a different world. But you're that sort of in-between thing that is you are acquiring businesses. I'm sure you have a substantial capital behind you, but you're not Thrasio, but you're also not a business broker. So I think you have quite a unique view, which is one reason why, you, you know, I thought you would be a fantastic guest, really. So tell me a bit about, a bit more about this whole business uh, acquisition model. I mean, first of all, I guess we ought to kind of define who it's for and who it isn't for, really. I don't really know how to do that. So mm. let me throw that question over to you first. Yeah, well... Actually, in my view, it's for anybody that's wanting to grow their business. Now, the normal roots of growing your business, obviously marketing, you know, various forms, but people forget that they could acquire a competitor or a business that's a great strategic fit for them horizontally or vertically. And what I mean by that is maybe if you've got a closed shop, but we don't, you don't sell footwear, you could acquire a footwear brand. Or maybe you could acquire something such as, you know, an online dry cleaning service to clean the clothes, you know, a subscription model, for instance. So it, it's thinking outside the box and thinking, okay, what have I got at the moment and where do I want to go? And I think that the big misconception about acquiring business is, is that it's only done by the big corporation with lots of money and lots of big lawyers and, uh, and that type of thing. And that's just not the case. There are a growing number of businesses that are coming to market, particularly with the baby boomer generation that have started businesses in the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s, who are now in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And usually their family and friends are saying to them, look, you know, you've done this for for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I expect a gentleman done, done it for 40 years. Now, now's the time really to spend a little bit more time with your friends and family. But they don't, you know, they want somebody that's going to look after their legacy mostly. And, and these are businesses normally that are turning over between 1 and 10 million revenue. So it's a very niche area. And the reason for that is that most businesses above the 10 million will get bought up by private equity, venture capitalists, or the larger trade buyers. Those below 1 million tend to be quite small and maybe more suitable for someone coming out of the corporate world that wants a job. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
But my acquisition model is to acquire businesses that don't rely on me running the business day to day. Because if I'm running the business day to day, then it hampers me going out there and looking for more businesses. So that's that's a business model in terms of what I do. And say, I think there's a misconception that need lots of money. Really, that's not the case, particularly at the moment. Lots of people are, are willing to consider a very structured deal if you can assure them the legacy and how you're going to drive that business forward. And that sounds a bit crazy to many people. They think, oh, it must be just about money. But let me assure you, it isn't all about money. It isn't. These people have, when they've you know, developed their brand over 20 years, it's almost like a baby. It's like they've seen something that's grown up and grown up and grown up. And even though they're selling the business, they want to pass it to someone that's going to take good care of it. Lots of the time, they don't want to sell it to a trade buyer who may just want the customer list, you know, the IP, those types of things. What they want to sell it to is someone that's going to look after that brand and take it to the next level. And they're, they're often very, very excited about the plans you have to take that business to the next level, even though they know they're not going to be involved. And what I found remarkable when you, you talk to people, a lot of the time the people have been around a long time is that they've morphed into the sort of MD position of their business. And they've, they're doing all sorts of things that they absolutely hate, to be honest. <laughs> you know, they started the business because they liked a certain sector. They liked a product. They understood something specific, you know, an IP or a, a, a specific product or sector. And what they've morphed into is, is an MD that's more overlooking the admin, the accounting, the HR, even if they've got people in the business. And a lot of the people absolutely hate that. So, and what you find, unfortunately, is when they've been in the business for some time, as I come across these, these baby boomers, is that they turn it into a lifestyle business. Now, don't get me wrong, they're very comfortable. They usually got rid of the kids. You know, they've paid off the mortgage on the house. They might have a holiday property. And they're probably pulling out the business two or three hundred thousand pounds. But when you turn around to them and say, What sort of marketing are you doing? Well, I haven't really done any marketing because I've just ticked along with my current customer list and it's all wonderful. And they're just happy in their space, to be honest. Wow. So, so much to unpack here. I mean, first of all, I think what's very interesting, I suppose, you've got to start with who your customers are, as it were. And I suppose the weird thing, you've still got to persuade somebody, you've got to sell somebody the idea of selling their business, right? Even if you're paying them a lot of money for it, because as you said, it's their baby. So it's very interesting to understand the yeah. baby boomers, it's their kind of baby and it's kind of become a lifestyle business. And I guess the other thing you're saying is that they hate the admin. So they kind of want out of it and they kind of don't by the sound of it. It sounds like they're a bit conflicted and you have to manage that. Let's deal with the next most basic question though, for anyone considering buying a business. You say you don't need lots of money and there's more to it than that. I imagine you do need to some money. I mean, it, it, they're, they're on the other hand, these things that knock around. I'm not going to name any names of particular people that I hear about. There's models for buying businesses with no money down, just like there is for, you know, buying property and just as suspicious making, but possibly true because yeah. I don't know. So tell me about that whole side of the money and the money raising side. That's a great 
Great question, Michael. Can you acquire business with no money? Yes, you can. Is it always easy? No. And I have actually acquired a business this year, a cybersecurity business with no money down, a business that was doing about £350,000 on the bottom line. And the way you can acquire such businesses sometimes, particularly in the UK, is that the business owners put a bit of money away. They, they keep a bit of money back and they keep a bit of money back. And you can imagine over 10 years, 15, 20 years, they suddenly have quite a large pot of money. And they think, how can I get this money out without HMRC, the UK tax service, taking a considerable chunk of it? And it's it's not easy to do, to be honest. But what I did with this gentleman is I could offer entrepreneurs tax relief, which basically is anybody that has 5% or more shareholding in a limited company for at least a year or more can claim entrepreneurs tax relief. And that basically means that when they sell the shares of the business, they only pay 10% tax in the UK. So I offered him that. He took out half a million, which if he tried to take out that as not part of the the business acquisition, he could have lost a couple hundred thousand to the government. And I'm sure they would be very happy to receive such. But as he was using this as part of his retirement pot, he was not so keen to pay the government. So it worked out. So we effectively bought the cash as part of the deal. We gave him the cash at closing. He took the cash out. He paid the government 50000 kept 450000 and then we're paying him a structured deal. What does that mean? It basically means that we pay X amount of green money per year, and it can be over – it's normally over two to five years, and this is independent of everything else. And we normally have an agreement that if we default – we, we lose the business, it goes back to them for any reason. So that's the first way we can do it. The other way that we sometimes include in deals is what's called an earnout. Now, this is normally tagged to the revenue and for X amount of years post the acquisition, you will say to the outgoing seller, I will pay you a small percentage, normally somewhere between 0.5 and 2% of the increased revenue that I generate for X amount of years. So it's almost like getting a second bite of the cherry, really. And if they really believe in your skill set, then you can sell yourself and they can think, okay, you know, I can get some money at closing to do whatever I want. But also I can get a little bit of money going forward, maybe to two, three, four, five years. And the, the other thing that you can also do is, and this I've done occasionally, is you can say to them, you keep a minor shareholding, maybe 10, 15%, so I have the majority shareholding. And as I grow the group, and maybe in five to 10 years, look for a bigger exit, then again, you will get a second bite of the cherry. And it's about relating to them and selling your skill sets to them to see how you can move together and therefore you know go with you over anybody else 
Yeah, this is so interesting because it forces you to think about really basic <laughs> things like why do I have a business? Why do I own one? Why do I operate the business? Which are in themselves obviously different questions. <laughs> but I think particularly for the baby yes. boomer, if their entire identity has been wrapped up in being the MD, even though I actually don't like being the MD, but they probably like owning the company and being yes. the boss, I imagine, <laughs> because most people hate paperwork yeah. and love being the boss. I'm certainly like that. I mean, not that yeah. I'm a boss of a very big company, but still it's nice to be your own boss but on so okay there's that sort of psychological attachment and then i guess it forces you to think well what's the purpose of selling a company because i guess i would imagine okay you get a big big lump sum and then you go what the hell do i do with the rest of my life and maybe invest it in property or stocks and shares and get a passive income but actually it sounds like yeah you know it could be that some people aren't that bothered about just the lump sum they want a bit of a future sort of more entrepreneurial more investor type mindset of, of being the sort of they almost shift from being the creator of a business to being an investor, almost like a, investing in a startup, right? Because if you're going to grow it really sharply again and then sell it on, it's almost like the startup pitch is like, okay, give me your money now. And in 10 years time, I'll give you a nice juicy payout. Is, is that making sense? Talk Absolutely. to me a bit about the the mindset of the, the sellers, first of all, and then we must come back to some of the details of yeah. how to actually do this because it still sounds kind of in the realm of fantasy to me. So it sounds very yeah. exciting, but like how yeah. the hell would I do with that? But tell me yeah. about the, the sellers first, because that's presumably the thing you've got to get right. The key to this really is the seller mindset always, you know, because, you know, you could go to someone, approach someone and say, oh, yes, I'll sell you it. You know, I'll sell you my business. Okay, you give me an offer I can't refuse. I'll sell you my business. You know, it's a bit like someone coming along and wanting to buy your house and you say, well, you give me a couple of million more than it's worth and, yeah, I'll sell it to you. <laughs> but normally what it is is that the sellers are into mindset. Either they've got to that point where they've done 15, 20 years and they're done. You know, they're, they're, they've done 16 hours a day from startup, as we all know how it works. You know, you know they, they've sacrificed everything. And a lot of them, particularly the baby owners, are still not very good at systemizing things. So there's things you see that they could be systemizing and they're good businesses, but they may be still working 12 hours a day or whatever because they're just not very good at systemizing things. So they're in a, a mindset of, right, okay, I'm now going to retire. I'm going to take my money out of this business, you know, and go go away in the sunset. Have have some time with the family. So they just they suddenly decide I want out. And that that tends to be the mindset I look for always with a business seller, because as I say, to shift somebody from, you know, this business is very valuable and I'm only going to sell it because it's super, super valuable to where realistically similar businesses are selling in the market is, is very difficult. So it's absolutely about mindset. It's about trust and rapport with them, their mindset, and they believing that you're the right person to take the business forward and, and look after it, nurture it onto the next stage. <laughs> You've already talked about that. I think that's a very important point to make that maybe is not obvious that somebody selling something doesn't mean they've emotionally detached from something they spent 12 hours a day of their life on. So it's a really important point. And also, I suppose that gives you as the 
the smaller acquirer, if you like, the less threatening, less corporate type person, which you definitely are, you're much more sort of personable and real than that. That gives you that advantage because if you said they don't want to give it to somebody who's just going to asset strip it effectively, get the IP, get the list and then dump the actual business. And I think the other thing you're basically pointing us to is, is avoid people who would say, well, give me you know three million more than it's worth because it's not going to be a good value buy and they're not going to be serious. So it needs to be somebody who's really ready to sell and they've kind of just had enough of the day-to-day. Well, folks, I hope you found that as stimulating as I did. Uh, Richard's a very straightforward guy. Nice to find somebody else in Britain talking about the subject of buying uh, businesses because we've had quite a lot of American business brokers on. Makes a change to have the British perspective. I would urge any of the US listeners, though, not to ignore what we've heard today, but just to think about how you can make that work in your own uh, country and indeed in your own state because different states of the US have very different ways of doing these things, lest we forget. Um, So it sounds like really the main things I'm taking it from is business acquisition could be for anyone who wants to grow your business. You could acquire a competitor or find something that is a sort of fit to fill the gaps that you have in your product lines. And the misconception is only done by big businesses with lots of lawyers that you can actually work on a much smaller scale. And the other thing is you don't necessarily need lots of money. So I think some really um, heartening things that I've taken from this. Uh, Rich has prepared a report for us. So if you want to check out his uh, thoughts on this, it's www.growthviaacquisition.report. Acquisition spelled A-C-Q-U-I-S-I-T-I-O-N. If you struggle with that, uh, growth via acquisition dot report, or you can check Richard's website out, Richard dot, sorry, <clears throat> www.richardtunner, that's T-U-N-N-A-H dot com, two N's for November there. And uh, he's got two best-selling books, Cut Costs, Increase Profits, which more or less does what it says on the tin via uh, reactivation and customer retention campaigns in itself for any existing business owner very worth reading i suspect i haven't had a chance to read that but certainly rich has got huge amounts of experience uh, to offer and the other one is facebook ads for local businesses which may actually be quite useful for small businesses that are online for that matter as well so lots to take away do join us in the next uh, episode on this topic with our guest richard tunner who will talk about how to buy a business with no money down particularly in the uk context i do think though that 80 percent of it is transferable to the us as well so stay tuned for that and if you like today's show don't forget to leave a rating you don't even need to write a review but if you're on apple Podcasts, you can simply tap and on your phone and give us four or five stars or whatever you think we're worth um would love to have that it's always helpful we are um at around 24 reviews now i'd love to push to get well over 50 reviews in 2021 so if you want to be part of that push as a way of saying thank you for all the free content that would be very very helpful to us thanks very much for listening thanks so much for listening to the 10k collective podcast part of the family of amazing fba podcasts today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast the e-commerce leader the podcast is hosted by yours truly and jason miles multi-million dollar shopify owner and unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor if you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be it's got your name on it for free guides and mini courses on many topics go to www.theecommerceleader.com